I do do a little intro then? Yeah, please. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 26 of the Dead End Road Show. It's Ian and Bill. Um, on today's show, we're bringing Sexy back. We've got uh, season two, season two premiere Sexy Beasts to talk about. Um, we're also going to have another horror harvest as we are one week closer to Halloween. Uh, we'll be paying a visit to a bad art friend and trying to figure out why TikTok is obsessed with a guy on a couch. Um, and we also are potentially debuting a brand new segment today. Um, you say potentially as if... Uh, well, you were you were telling me, you, you, you were just telling me that we might not get to half of the stuff. So I don't know. I know. Exactly. I know, but- if we were smart, we would we would do this intro after we record the episode. Sure, of course. But that's not uh, what's happening. So, no. Um, but it, I I just like how you you think we're gonna cut the new segment and not um you know, sexy beasts. Well, I led with sexy Sorry. beasts. That's the know, headliner. <laughs> that's backed by popular demand. Even though that is towards the bottom of the notes. Oh, that doesn't matter. <laughs> we know what's important. Oh shit! But anyway, before uh, we before we get to any of that, um, we do need to to see what I was dead wrong about last week, right? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, this is this is dead wrong. It's a part of the show where we correct the dumb shit that we said in previous episodes. Uh, take it away, Mister. I don't know how to say his name. It's either Fracas or Frax, but um, yeah, I won't play the whole thing. It's false. No way. Not this time. We created it. Not this time. Okay. So last week we were talking about the berries and cream annoying commercial dude, mm-hmm. um, and you uh, you were saying that um, the 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 TikTok account, the um, I forget what the name of the account is. It's the the oh the real little lad. Yes, you were saying that that was the um the, the original real little lad. <laughs> yeah, so it is not. It is just it's some it's just some cosplay dude. Um, it is not the real. It is not the real little lad. the The actual actor's name is Jack Fervor. Uh, he is a New York-based writer, choreographer, teacher, and director. And uh, according to this article from uh, Wide Open Eats, uh, he is more than happy to put the little lad behind him. He doesn't mention anything about the ad on his personal website. And according to one redditor, he is less than thrilled when students quote the commercial to him in class. It's safe to assume that to him, the Starburst little lad is dead. Wow. Okay, so how did this real little lad account amass millions of followers? Because this ombre looks exactly like the little lad from the commercial. And if you go yeah. to this, the, the the Jack Fervor's like um, Instagram... He is much older now because it's been fifteen fucking years, mm-hmm. um, and he no he does not like resemble what he did in the commercial, obviously. Um, so yeah, this this guy on TikTok is just taking advantage of the fact that he looks like the little page boy with the haircut and everything. It's 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 a wig. He's he's putting on a wig. Uh, if that's how he's cutting his hair, he's a lost cause. Um, so yeah, he's just taking advantage of the fact that he uh looks like. Jack Fervor did in 2007. Yeah, so I feel bad about not doing my proper research, but also it's pretty clear that I wasn't the only one fooled by this guy. Oh, completely. The the account is called The Real Little Lad, and it's verified on TikTok. 
Oh, it is verified. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, <laughs> but it's not. It's not him. Yeah. It's just. It's just a dude. I guess he, he's lucky that Jack doesn't give a shit, and he's probably happy to to pass the uh, the torch. Yeah. Yeah. No, he doesn't even want to. Yeah. No. He wants absolutely nothing to do with it. So he's not. He's not going to fight to reclaim the title. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. Well, I'm. I'm glad we cleared that up. Yes. Yes. That's what the segment is all about. Yes. I'm sure there will be plenty more <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's move into this week's Horror Harvest. Um, yeah. So yeah, this week we watched uh, Under the Shadow, which I watched uh, about an hour ago. Oh, really? <laughs> so my, you... <laughs> yes. <laughs> because my time management this week was terrible. So you did a so... double feature of Under the Shadow and Sexy Beasts. The the tonal whiplash <laughs> is uh yeah I, I broke my neck yes it's really not uh, a morning movie no <laughs> it really wasn't I I literally woke up and watched the movie and then watched Sexy Beast terrific so, uh yeah I'm glad you're in the right frame of mind to discuss this today yeah yeah well like my my time management was really bad because I always try to watch the movie the night before. So so it's fresh. Sure. But yesterday I stupidly rebuilt my computer. Mm-hmm. So that was like an all day affair. Um and so then I just didn't have time. <laughs> and then I literally almost forgot and then I set an alarm to uh wake up slightly earlier and uh yeah. So So, so what did you think? Um I thought it was pretty good. Mhm. Um I appreciated the way that it uh carried its metaphors through which um is we we haven't seen especially in the last few um be executed properly because the the thing about um horror as a genre is that the horror is always a, a stand in for something else you know yes uh and it works whenever that that metaphor is generally clear and understood and also real and terrifying mm-hmm. if you know what i mean i do yeah um so like last week where it it was a clear metaphor for anxiety and uh, as the movie went on, we had some hangups about like, well, it sort of mixes the metaphor and it doesn't, it gets kind of muddled when you bring in some other characters and things like that. This is doing something similar where it's, it's a metaphor for a different kind of anxiety and terror. Um, and literally the film's title under the shadow is, um, speaking about, literally being under the shadow of uh bombings and missile attacks while also being under the shadow of a a literal tarp but then also being under the shadow of uh gender oppression yeah yeah uh oppressive uh society after uh iran's cultural revolution um 
so it 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 continues it it, it sticks it sticks its message it, it completely follows through the entire way and it doesn't deviate um and so it works i i, I believe yeah I, I completely agree um i thought it was really effective in in that regard um yeah so like for me uh, with horror it's it's pretty rare that um i'll find a horror movie to be scary you know mm-hmm. or terrifying or like really unsettling like f- for the most part i like can appreciate what a horror film is doing but i don't always like feel it if you know what sure. i mean um this movie i felt it and i felt it the entire way through i think the atmosphere um is just incredible especially as more and more people leave her um like apartment complex mm-hmm. and she is left there alone with her daughter yeah um it just and the sound design like the way they use wind and mm-hmm. just like different mm-hmm. ambient noises in addition to the constant threats of attack um was just so so effective yeah it was very very unsettling for me yeah um yeah you could you could look at it um as a way of like playing with a trope too because like if you want to bring in a horror convention she's she's like a final girl you know but yeah yeah (laughs) because she's the last one standing with her daughter but it's not because everybody around her is has died to the slasher you know it's just that people are evacuating and she's the last one left um so yeah and there's so there's so much weight behind why she's the last one left too right because her motivations for staying home and the things that are pulling to you know to keep her there um are just like really powerful because like on the one hand you have the oppression that she's facing in that you know she's not allowed to um you know live up to her potential in in society right Mm -hmm. and she feels like she is um you know the one thing that she can control is being a good mother and even that she feels slipping away from her not by anything that she's done but because of things that are like you know the circumstances that she's in yeah um because like the reason that she's staying home is one because it's her home right but also because she's trying to find this doll for her daughter because uh, her daughter is becoming more and more sick and she believes that the you know finding her doll will be will cure her her daughter's sickness Mm -hmm. um what, what did you think about the whole the whole motivation for that um I, like it's like her motive her motivation uh to stay sort of changes and fluctuates mm-hmm. because at the beginning it's more along the lines of no this is my home we'll be fine here right um the the missile attacks are they're more rumors um you know because like her husband's saying like just go to my parents go to my parents um and so that 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 sort of shifts to as people start leaving and especially after the missile attack that hits their building, uh, 
it, it changes to um sort of like like this indignancy to where it's like well i don't want to leave just because everybody else is or everybody is uh telling me to leave um and then that shifts again to whenever the daughter's doll is missing like you said to where it's it's now this um at the beginning i believe like it's it's sort of like because she makes the promise to her daughter that she'll find the doll mm -hmm. right and then it sort of moves into okay now she believes that finding the doll will solve either the daughter's sickness or just sort of solve this anxiety between both her daughter and herself. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, I feel like the motivation just sort of shifts as the movie goes along, even though it's still the same, same sort of goal to like stay, you know, rooted. And it's um, also like, don't you feel like it's also, uh, partly because she has nowhere else to go? Cause like she can't go be a doctor. She's not allowed to. She mm -hmm. can't um, go to her husband's parents' house because they really don't accept her there. Mm -hmm. um, she has, like, this disconnect even with her neighbors because their neighbors, you know, believe in things that she doesn't. Right. Um, yeah. So there's a struggle yeah. there. Yeah, her home is her independence, right? Like, yeah, uh, they have a VCR and that's, you know, this taboo thing, um, you know, uh, so yeah, the home the home is where she can be independent. Even though she uh it's it, it's this paradox where she it's where she can be most independent given the circumstances, but where she's still tied down to um being a mother and still can't live up to that full potential, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's interesting cuz still the best of circumstances for her. Right. It's interesting um, that you you mentioned how like, cause, the, cause the home is is what is under attack more than herself or her daughter, right? At least in terms yeah. of like the um, the the spirit that's like going around, cause like it 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 eats up her her VHS tape that she watches mm -hmm. every day, the workout video, and like it takes the doll away, and it fucks with the you know, the, the ceiling and the, like the furniture and all sorts of stuff like that. Like yeah. you're not seeing her become attacked physically, but it's just everything around her in her house, which I thought was, was pretty interesting. Yeah. So like it, you, if you think about it, it's like w w the, the universe or whatever is just like attempting to slowly take away the, everything from her. Mm -hmm. Right. Because first she can't become a doctor um and then you know so then she's stuck at home and so then she's she's depressed about that right um so then she's quote unquote like stuck being a mother you know so that that is that is a sticking point for her and then she's like she accepts it right she's like okay fine then i will be you know the mother i can be i will take care of my child mm -hmm. but then the spirit is like well no i'm going to attempt to take that away from you too i'm going to attempt to take your child away from you too um so then it's like well what do you, what do you want me to do you know um, yeah, because like everything the spirit says to when it speaks to her child, it's like undermining their relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, like I also just like going back to the atmosphere in this movie, every time the alarm would go off and they'd have to go to the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially the final time when they're when they're it's just her and the daughter and the alarm goes off and they have to go all the way down the stairs into the basement. Um, it's like you're dealing with this very real threat and you're dealing with the sort of supernatural threat at the same time. Mm-hmm. just just so it's it's like hard for me to put into words but it's just so effective yeah yeah and then <laughs> just the the because like you you know you know what is happening where um in that final moment where she goes down to the basement with her daughter and like it's like it's like in this moment where she's like got it all together you know she's like sort of convinced her daughter that um you know, she's with her and they're going to get through this. And so they go to the basement, they get their luggage. They're going to get out of here as soon as the bomb threat passes. Um, and then they go to the basement and then she hears her daughter crying. But wait, her daughter's with her. And so then she has this panic like, I'm being tricked from one angle or another. And then she's sort of convinced that the daughter that she's with isn't her daughter. So then mm-hmm. she runs back. And then in the process, she like sort of kicks her daughter away mm-hmm. yeah and i was like oh my god because like you you know that whichever choice she's making there is going to be the wrong one of course because that's just what's going to happen like that's the that's going to be the tension is mm-hmm. that, you know um but yeah and because like you get such a sense of place that could when she's going up and down these stairs like you can count how many floors you know she is from the bomb shelter in the basement yeah um you just get a really good sense of place yeah and like all the different floors play a role too because you have the missile that lands in the top floor yes and then you have the neighbor upstairs who she has conversations with and they have that sort of like disconnect when it comes to like what's causing the you know what's causing the like spirits around them right mm-hmm. um then you have her floor and then you have the the basements um and yeah like you're you're never you're never for a second lost in this movie like you know exactly mm-hmm. where these characters are um yeah. i thought it was really uh impactful how like the first time she truly does decide uh things are really fucked up and i need to get out of here like right now and she grabs her daughter and runs out the front door and down the street. And then she gets um, she gets intercepted like immediately yeah. by like authorities. And what happens is that she's not wearing um, her her cover her head covering. Yeah. And so she's actually punished for that. Mm-hmm. And um, and that becomes like that becomes the focal point of the next scene, not the fact that she was like running away for her life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no matter it's basically any action she takes, it's damned if she does damned if she doesn't. Yeah. Every, every step of the way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I really, I really enjoyed this. Um, what I haven't seen is this director, uh, this director's next film um it is on uh it's on hulu it's supposed to be very very bad oh and it stars army hammer 
So I, I think <laughs> I think I'm gonna pass on that one, but I will be anticipating what um, Babakanvari does next. Uh, sure. You know, hopefully that was just a, a one-off, but yeah. But yeah, really impressed with Under the Shadow. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely. Very good stuff. Uh, I assume you watched the subtitled Persian version, right? Oh, is there a dub? Yes, Netflix has a dub, and it defaults to that. Uh, yeah, I think because I've watched uh, quite a few subtitled things on my Netflix account, I think by default anything I watch uh, will be in like the original language. Okay, but I know Maybe for a lot I, of you haven't used Netflix in a while. It yeah, I, I know. Like with the whole Squid Game discourse, um, yeah, a lot yeah. of people have watched the dub version and then gotten yelled at for that. So, um, well, speaking of that, did you see that like? Uh, there's, um, issues with the sub, like the translation of the subtitles for Squid Game. I haven't seen it yet. Me neither. No, I didn't, um, I didn't hear about that. Cause, cause now this gives me pause. Um, because, uh, this is what I'm inferring based on how they do their, um, anime translations is that instead of paying for things to be translated twice, uh, they will just have it translated once for the dub and then they will use the uh for the subtitles they will use the translated dub script Mm -hmm. so but that doesn't match what is being spoken in the native language right because a dub is yeah a dub is meant to fit with the time of the person speaking right yeah yes so it is a wholly different translation than what you can get with subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a ton of potential missing context and inference that is lost. Um, like they're, they're totally screwing up specific connotations of phrases in Korean because the, the phrases wouldn't fit in the dub. So they're just not translating for a proper subtitled version which is um, absurd on netflix's part yeah it's just a it's just a really cheap cost-cutting maneuver um and it's which is re- insane yeah, because of the amount of money that they're spending on content in general and not just that but global con- like they have so much international yeah. stuff now like that's such a large part of their library and they really just need to put in the little extra bit of money to to make sure that translation comes across correctly right yeah it's it's so ridiculous but yeah so for me my thing with dubs is i will never watch a dub uh with, with a live action show or movie um i will do no, i'll do it with anime it feels so it feels so off it feels ridiculous mm-hmm. um plus like i it feel because my i've seen my mom watch some stuff like that like like these weird uh like foreign dramas like these french or you know um and that the, the dub acting is like really weird like just really off well, it, um, it's because, like, voice acting is such a different thing than, you know, yeah, screen acting. And so, like, you're mixing those two things. Yeah, but it, it it's like it, it doesn't even ma- like it's it, it's almost like she has the audio for something different. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like it's something totally different than what she's watching. It, 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 it's so it's so strange. Yeah. 
like it, it makes me appreciate anime dubs even more because they they generally at least try um but these weird netflix dubs are just just off mm-hmm. just really weird yeah it's pretty rough not not the ideal way to to watch so yeah do we have next week's Yes, we do. Uh, so next week, we are going to watch the 1997 film Cure from uh, director Kiyoshi Kurosawa, one of the most well-known um, Japanese horror directors out there. Okay. Are you familiar with any of his work? This isn't the same... This is not the Kurosawa okay. uh, that's known for the samurai films. Right. No. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting for me because I've I've watched a couple of uh, of his movies this year, um, mm-hmm. but not any of his horror films because uh, he, he's a very prominent horror director. But in in more recent years, he's he's shifted over to uh, like character dramas, mm. which are fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And also, like, you can, it's very fascinating because even with his character dramas, you can tell that he's a horror director mm. with certain ways that he, like, frames a scene um, and just, like, different, like, camera placement or tension, things like that. You can tell that he is, like, a master of the horror genre. So I'm very interested to get into his actual, like, proper horror stuff, which I haven't done yet. Sure. So that'll be next week, uh, Cure. Okay. Very cool. Um, now, I received a dead letter this morning. Uh, I did not plan on including this, but it fits too well. Uh, this is from Wilton Veep. Uh, appears to have come in from a Russian email address. Uh, their website is schmoogle.us <laughs> slash Destiny 2 Series X upgrade. I'm waiting for that. I'm, I'm so, <laughs> I'm so, I so want to click on that link, but I, I'm like. Yeah, no, don't. Just <laughs> it, But it's schmoogle.us. <laughs> just for my sake, like for my paranoid brain, just, just don't, just know, don't click on it. I know. And the the comment is Biomutant Old World Storage 10 meters. So I know Biomutant is is a video game. Um I know Amazon has a game called New World, but I'm not sure about Old Worlds. Biomutant Old World Storage. Maybe it's not meters 10M. I just default to me that's meters. Mm-hmm. Biomutant Old World Storage 10 meters. Um so yeah. Uh Schmoogle.us <laughs> is the latest spot to get all your Destiny 2 Series X upgrade news. Which like by the way, they've the, the Series X upgrade for Destiny 2 has been out for like a year, right? It's been yeah, it's been like at least six months because it got PS4 five upgrade, which I've messed around with that a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Um, so this, this is a great segue for the, uh, our latest segment, which, which I'm calling did it all for the Moogle. 
Uh, this is going to be the part of the show where we talk about all the latest and greatest Final Fantasy news, and also all the latest and greatest Limp Biscuit news, um, or both. Whenever the need should arise for both of those things to converge. Yeah. Um, um you, you say that like it's yeah. not gonna happen, but it's 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 probably gonna happen. Um What be- makes you say that? Well, I was telling you before we started, I did a little bit of prep because I, I my yeah. my knowledge of, of Final Fantasy is very limited. This is not my yeah. my specialty. You're you're the uh-huh. expert there. So I figured that with you being the Final Fantasy expert, I would just bring the limp biscuit um yeah. side of of this of this uh segment sure so um can i can i just can i just hit a button real quick oh of course okay thank you that should be our new like intro song <laughs> like that gets me so pumped up <laughs> that i can hit it again Did you know? Did you know that um, in the '90s, uh, Limp Bizkit, they uh, some of the members they had a side project. You know what it was called? Uh, no. It was called Big Dumb Face. Big Dumb Face. Big Dumb Face. Huh. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with uh, Fred Durst's current getup? Um, I don't think so. Because you're familiar with his old sort of stylings right no i mean anything that i'm i'm talking about during the segment i just pulled from wikipedia today so i really don't oh, of know course. don't know of much course. um let me just send you a quick link and we're gonna gonna be talking about photographs again and i apologize but um let me just send you that oh is this this is recent this is i i typed in fred durst 2021 so yeah well it's it's interesting because um, another another uh, thing I came across is that uh, just about two weeks ago, Limp Bizkit uh-huh. released a brand new single. Yeah. And you know what the name of that single is? What's that? I ask you like you have any idea. Um, it's called Dad Vibes. Yeah. So yeah. I guess he's is, really he's really playing the part up here. This is the new thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's calling it Limp Bizkit 2.0. Ah. Um, let me get a comparison shot just to really hammer home. See, for a minute, I thought you uh, were going to show me Fred Durst dressed up as, um, Evan Hansen. <laughs> that, would be, that would be very good. That would be very good. Um, let me just get a comparison shot. Um, okay, so for some reason, he's either sporting, so I can describe what's going on. He's sporting a wig, maybe. Oh, totally. Throughout his hair. That's gotta be. Yeah, and then he's got like um, sort of a a, a a a mustache that goes all the way down to the chin, because um, he used to have the chin strap going on, and he's gotten rid of that. This is like a reverse wearing, chin strap. Right, right. He's he's doing the whole one eighty, um, and then this photo, he's wearing these big red aviator sunglasses. Um, and he's wearing these khaki pants and he's got like this button down. It, 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 it's dad vibes. It's what it is. It's certainly a vibe. It's, it's sort of like grandpa vibes, actually. Yeah. Or like dad who is a little bit older than everybody else's dad vibes. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like I had yeah, a kid like, when I was 48 vibes. Yeah. Too late. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I made a comment to my brother. I said that this is what Weezer thinks that they look like. <laughs> <laughs> or like this is what Weezer thinks is cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um so the the whole reason for this segment and I don't know what specific research you you did um no, my whole thing was that you would be talking about Final Fantasy, right? And you'd be like in depth about something important when it comes to Final Fantasy. And like instead of like commenting on that, I would just like cut in with a, a like a fact from about Limp Biscuit every now and then. Okay. All right. So then we can do that. And then we can do um sort of the prestige. Because I guess you are slightly in the dark. Wait. What what's the prestige? <laughs> I guess we'll get to it. Okay. Um, so, uh, there's a Final Fantasy XIV expansion coming along in about a, about a month and about a month and a half, month and a week-ish. Uh, it's it's going to be a very big deal. Um, the game currently uh, is at capacity. Um for, for about a month, you could not make a new character on most servers, which is absolutely insane. Wow. Um, and of course, you can kind of do it um, like when they're un uncongested. So like late at night, you can cop on and make a character. <laughs> wow. Um, but just recently, uh, they, they sort of became uncongested and you can make a character again. Mm -hmm. um, and it got so bad that uh, on Steam, which is not the way you should buy the game, by the way, you should not buy the game on Steam because it's kind of awkward. Um, they ran out of keys to sell the game. Like, they sold too many copies. Like, they sold out of the game on Steam, basically. <laughs> like, they they couldn't generate any more keys. Um, Speaking of selling a lot, um, did you yeah. know that, <laughs> that Limp Biscuit's third album, uh, it's titled Chocolate, Starfish, and Hot, yeah. and the Hot Dog Flavored and Water? The hot dog walk, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that album set a record for the highest first week sales for a rock album with over 1 million copies sold in the US and 400,000 there we go 400,000 of those sales happen on the first day of release that's that's pretty wild it is pretty wild um, so 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 yeah so this expansion is coming up um and uh we are getting ready for the unveiling uh of information about job specific abilities from uh, what's called the media tour and this is where they let a small group of content creators influencers and media outlets have access to a test build of the new jobs um because in a six hour presentation they went over <laughs> they went over some of the um sort of general changes to the jobs but we don't get access to specific abilities and things like that um, just sort of like the general scope of each individual jobs changes. Um, but this week, somebody, because this already happened because it happened remotely uh, because of restrictions, usually happens in person. Somebody leaked details uh, f basically of most of the jobs. They didn't get the DPS. So we got uh, information on the healers and the tanks. Um, and so that's a pretty big deal. Uh, especially because they're adding a new healer and they're uh, rebalancing healers quite a bit. Um, like, my class, Astrologian, is getting changed quite drastically. Um, 
to uh it used to be able to provide shields uh now no longer they're it's being uh changed to uh what is called a pure healer so now it's more in line with white mage um would you, is... would you just to interrupt for a second? Would you say that um, the healer uh, class, like, is that a very popular one to use in in, uh, in the game? No. Yeah. So, like, just like uh, it, it's sort of similar to Limp Biscuit, because um, their popularity has sort of declined in the U.S. Sure, in recent years. Sure. But according to Wikipedia, they remain very popular in Russia. Oh. Yeah, they have a big fan base over in Russia. So. Putin loves to skank to some Limp biscuit. You know it. You know it. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Um, so Astro is changing quite a bit. Uh, they're, they're changing uh, the way that Astrologian plays, uh, basically plays tarot cards to buff the party. They're changing that quite a bit. They originally said that it was going to be less dependent on RNG to give party buffs. Well, now the, the cards are are building up towards a self buff but the way that they changed specific abilities it now is dependent more on rng because mm -hmm. they got rid of an ability called sleeve draw which gives you um basically gives you a card that you don't have yet which is crucial because you need uh three different cards in order to execute a, a specific buff um and I know this is in the weeds, and this is sort of part of the bit we're doing here. Uh, so now instead, uh, each draw usage gives you one redraw. And this makes it a lot harder for you to get three different seals. Um, so they said they would make it less RNG focused. And in turn, they're actually making it more RNG focused. And with the return of Minor Arcana being uh, basically a coin flip, giving you either Lord of Crowns or um, Lady of Crowns, one being a damage ability and the other being a heal. You basically always want the damage ability because the heal is too inconsistent being based on a coin flip. Um, this is way more RNG and it sort of is not in line with what they said the class was going to be. And of course, none of this is final. This is all leaked shit. Sure. Um, but it is slightly concerning. Um, Scholar players, on the other hand, are getting completely boned because they and and this is this is what they said in the presentation. They're basically like, yeah, we don't have any ideas for it, um, so we didn't really add anything. And so far, that's very true. They didn't add anything to it. All of the healers got a new sixty-second uh, healing cooldown, and so it got that, and then it got an ability that provides uh, a speed boost to the party. Mm -hmm. And that is it. Meanwhile, Scholar is the healer that needs the most work because um, it has way too many abilities and none of them are like cohesive together. And also it relies on really janky pet AI in order to um, execute its abilities. Meanwhile, Scholar is very... Uh, it, it can output a lot of healing. It can be very effective. It's just janky as shit. So it, it, um, it sounds like it's it's pretty difficult uh, to play Scholar. Uh, it is, yeah. You know what else is difficult? Mm. Being an up-and-coming rock band. Sure, yeah. So back in the 90s, uh, not many people knew who Limp Biscuit was, right? <laughs> but 
they got a very big break and gained a lot of attention after they opened for a legendary band called Corn. <laughs> and after wish- this after this show, they signed to a subsidiary of MCA Records and they really really took off from there. I wish I ha- I wish I put on the side. I didn't know we were going to mention Corn cuz I would have had the boom bop the boop up the e bop the, the <laughs> on the soundboard. <laughs> Uh, but all I have is. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. I will stop. Uh, all right. So so uh, so I guess you didn't see this then. Uh no. Do you do you know about do you know about the uh, the game uh, Stranger in Paradise? Uh, what is it called? What is the full name of it? Shit. Stranger in Paradise: Final Fantasy Origin. Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So. Stranger in Paradise Final Fantasy Origin is the... You heard about all the chaos thing, right? That meme? No. Oh, God in heaven. All right. None of this was in the show notes. Yes, it it technically is. This is the prestige. I don't see anything in the show notes about any of this. This is... This is this segment. I just I saw Limp Biscuit and I ran with it. Oh, we're running. We're running. Okay. So Stranger in Paradise Final Fantasy Origin is a new game from Square Enix that is coming out sometime. Um That sounds like a pretty big deal. Oh it is uh it is a Souls like I think it is developed in part by Team Ninja, who uh, made the Neo games, mm-hmm. uh, Neo, Neo One and Two. Um, they're they're like Souls like samurai games. Pretty well regarded um, too. They are, yeah. So it's uh, they're either developing it or it's like just the engine from those games. Um, so this is going to be a Souls like Final Fantasy game, uh, but with magic based, you know, because it's it's supposed to retain some of that Final Fantasy stuff. Uh, there was a uh, one demo released after um, E3. Uh, it was a PS5 exclusive. The demo didn't work. It, it was corrupted. The download was corrupted, so it didn't work. Um, then it was fixed. The original trailer was memed to hell because they kept saying uh, chaos over and over again. I need to kill chaos. I have to kill chaos. Blah, 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 blah. Chaos, chaos, chaos. So that was memed to hell. Um, and the game looked so bizarre, um, because the protagonist is, uh, generic protagonist man wearing a t-shirt in Final Fantasy, and nobody understood what the fuck this game was. Mm -hmm. Um, so the game is a weird isekai that is either a prequel or retells the story of the very first Final Fantasy game. (laughs) Um, and so you know what an isekai is, right? Again, no. <laughs> okay, Nisekai is uh, a story where somebody is uh, transported to another world. Okay. It's it's like an anime. It's like a, it's like an anime genre, basically. Okay. I just I guess I didn't know the the term for it, but yeah, I'm familiar with yeah. that type of that type of thing. Yeah, they're it's like all the anime that they make now is that's what they are. Um, I'm actually watching um, Re Zero at the moment. There you go. That's an Nisekai. Yes. Yeah, so it's like a, a regular man is transported into a fantasy world is an isekai. Um, so 
but the the thing with this is that it's like super edgy and uh looks like it came straight out of 2004. Mm -hmm. so there is a new demo i don't know if this one is also ps5 exclusive um and in it there is a very interesting cutscene. um now let me see if i can get the right video uh so what's this one? Bullshit. Okay. So I, I didn't really get any of that. It was cutting out for the most part for me. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's a cutscene where the protagonist is talking with a group of people. Okay. Uh, and then on to whatever somebody said, he says, bullshit. Then he whips out his phone and plays Limp Biscuit mm -hmm. and walks away. It's all coming together for me now. Yeah? Yeah. I see what, what you were doing originally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did you know that Limp Bizkit's been nominated for three Grammys? <laughs> That's my last one, by the way. <laughs> so, you're in the clear. So, people are just so what the fuck is this game? What the fuck is this game? Yeah. And what what consoles is this coming out for? The new ones? The new ones? Yeah. Um because I don't think it's a PS5 exclusive. Mm -hmm. I think just the demos are for whatever reason. Um It's so strange. Apparently the gameplay is good. I haven't tried it cuz I tried to download the first demo and it didn't work. Um Oh, there is a release date. March 18th, 2022. Okay, so pretty, pretty PS5, soon. PS5, PS4, and then I assume the other console. I assume Xboxes. Yeah. Because I don't believe it's PlayStation exclusive, but I, I'm I'm not 100% on that. Well, when is um the next main entry in Final Fantasy coming out? They haven't said. Okay. They have not said. Uh, so, like, where does this fit in with the series like what you know like <laughs> the original the original reveal said it's a bold new direction for final fantasy okay um and that bold new direction is fred durst everything that's old is new again this is this is this is limp biscuit 2.0 is like like he's surrounded by a group of you know, just like Final Fantasy characters. Mm -hmm. And this man's, he whips out a phone and plays his own Limp Biscuit exit music and walks away. I mean, it's a heck of a statement. Like, you won't forget. What does it say? What does it say? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's a memorable thing to do. Like, you're not going to forget about that guy anytime soon. And then, but like, and then the rest of them don't say anything. They just like follow him. They're like, yeah, this is our leader now. I this mean, guy. wouldn't you? 
I, I don't even know what's going on. I just don't know. So do you think that Fred Durst, his whole like new persona is like a tie-in with this game? Like this is all one big marketing scheme? I don't I don't know if Fred Durst is has the ability to be cohesive enough mm -hmm. to Oh, you should have seen the number of genres uh that Wikipedia has Limp Biscuit listed under. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> believe me, I know. <sighs> Some people kind of think that this is like a a, a Kojima-esque diversion and like this is <laughs> this is all like a big smoke screen and these demos are just complete bullshit and the game is not going to be like this at all mm -hmm. except for the combat system but uh i think they're fooling themselves like <laughs> this is the game whatever this is yeah i mean it's made by developers who have been making this type of game for a while now it seems the, the cra seems the legit. craziest thing I believe at least the character designs and maybe the story is Tetsuya Nomura, who, <laughs> who is the Kingdom Hearts guy, mm -hmm. which, you know, okay. But then he's also the Final Fantasy VII guy. Remake, yeah. Remake and the original. And the original, and yeah. He also did eight, like he's a Final Fantasy veteran. So it's like, how, <laughs> how does dude make Final Fantasy VII Remake? <laughs> And then go on to do like the the convoluted shitstorm that is Kingdom Hearts, and then like just just yeah fuck it put Limp Bizkit in here. Yeah, like, like what's what is going on? Just trying to keep the fans on their toes. You never know what's coming next. I guess. I guess. Uh, so yeah, that's uh did it all for the Moogle for this week. We're going to keep you informed of all the latest and greatest Final Fantasy and Limp Bizkit news. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a new album on the way. I mean, we just got a new single, so I'd, I would imagine. I'd imagine. Yeah. I'd imagine if it's Limp Bizkit 2.0. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Be a lot to talk um, about. I have to look at tour dates, all that. Yeah. 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 I wonder if he's doing any uh, virtual performances uh, coming up. I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll have to see. Stay tuned. Yeah. Uh... Uh, before that, yeah. um, you know, you know the actor Chevy Chase, right? I do. Uh, how old would you guess he is? Um. Well, the last time I saw Chevy Chase had to have been like ten years ago on Community, right? And at that point, I would probably have said like late sixties. So I'd probably have to put him in the late seventies. Okay. Twitter says he's 57 today. No, it's not real. Um, <laughs> That's not a real age Let's for him. Let's go to the old Wikipedia for Chevy Chase. No, he's 78. Okay. I was like right on the money. He's 78. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, say, I, just, I see this tweet that, that you're... That man cannot be like my dad's age. Like, come on, man. Yeah. Well, no, that's Chevy Chase himself on Twitter saying that he's 57. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm hmm. Not a reliable mm -hmm. source. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway. Yeah. So the couch guy thing, it, it's, it's a little, 
it's it's one of those things where like I don't want to add any more to the discourse than has already been put out there. Okay. But at the same time, I, I I feel the need to bring it up. Now, what do you? Sure. I want to ask, what do you know about Couch Guy? I know absolutely nothing. That is ideal. That is perfect. Okay. Um, you are a case. So you're about to ruin that for me. Yeah, you are a case study in real time for me here. So I'm going to send you this TikTok. Okay. Um, and I just want you to watch the TikTok and just like give me your thoughts on it. No, like you know, just just your your thoughts after seeing it, whatever those might be, as mundane or outrageous as as your thoughts are. I just want to hear them. Okay. This is, by the way, this oh. this uh, TikTok is this is at Lauren Zaris, and it has over sixty million views. Sixty million. Sixty million. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that it? That's it. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts what? on that? I, it's nothing. So, so what's actually happening in in the video, for those who haven't maybe haven't seen it? There's a there's a girl walking in. She's got a backpack on her back and a rolling luggage, mm-hmm. and the text at the bottom says "surprising my boyfriend at college." And so she walks into an apartment. It seems like there's a gathering or maybe a little party, or these people live at this apartment. Mm-hmm. And she walks in and then a a boy in a red t-shirt gets up and is a little surprised and then they hug and that is the TikTok. Okay. Well, well put. Um, so what if I told you (laughs) that like the, the entire internet over the weekend decided that the boyfriend, uh, based on this like 10 second video, the boyfriend is cheating on her. Okay. So this has gone like mega viral um, because. Yo, these kids need to read a fucking book or something or like. Yeah. Get some get some air. Yeah. So you have people on TikTok like breaking this down frame by frame. Oh, shit. I didn't want to play it again. Okay. Oh, let me tell you that song. I've heard that so many times over the past week that it is just like permanently ingrained in my head for the rest of my life. Um, anyway, so just like this went mega viral and, and you have like people, uh, you know, breaking this video down frame by frame because they think that the guy on the couch, her boyfriend, uh, was sort of caught in the act of cheating here. Um, some of the theories I've seen is that like, if you slow it down enough, it looks like the girl sitting next to him on the couch, like has her hand on his back. Um, another popular theory is that the motion he makes before he stands up is him uh, like discreetly getting his phone back, which the, his phone was apparently in that girl's hands, the girl who's sitting next to him. Um, people are really reading into like his facial expression and his lack of like excitement as he slowly stands up and, and greets her. Um, and like, I've watched this video a number of times. This, this is not the fucking Zapruder film. This is not the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. Um, 
Right. What the f- fuck? So, like, I, I, you know, when this first was going around, like, I just, like, I have never felt more disconnected from, like, the internet and internet culture. Because these are children. Oh, if only. <laughs> There's this one guy. These are, these are fucking freshmen in college. Oh, freshmen oh yeah, boyfriend yeah. In college. No, that's the thing. That means... Th- that means that she's probably still in high school. I'm sorry. I thought you meant the people that are reacting to this are children, because let me tell you, a lot of them are not. And that is a big part of the problem here. The majority have to be children. Um, yeah. So it's like I, I've watched this a number of times and I just don't understand how this happened. Like there's nothing you could possibly take away from this 10 second clip. Um, and, and like say about the relationship of, like you said, these two kids, like these college freshmen, um, it's insane. It's insanity. But, uh, it's like, this is like the next iteration of the whole, uh, Gabby Petito thing, which is people on TikTok trying to play armchair detective about situations and people that they do not know anything about. And it don't don't get me started because my dad has made a Twitch account, uh huh, in order to follow that case. Okay, um, because there are there are streamers. He's watching some dude with less followers on Twitch than I do. Yeah, and I don't stream. I haven't streamed in months. Just, just randomly go on, the, go on the internet. He was watching a stream of a dude watching a YouTube stream. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. So yeah, so no, it's it's bad out there. Yeah, it's really bad. Like there was so much misinformation being spread around about you know Gabby Petito and, and that whole thing, um, and then of course like. That's not even taking into consideration the fact that, you know, this case, that case uh, had so much attention while there are so many other missing people, uh, especially people of color that the media doesn't care about. But that, that's that's yeah, kind well, of it was, it was because it was because it was a fuck. She was on fucking TikTok and she was on Instagram. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. but yeah, so it's like they're playing armchair detective with that. And now we have this thing last weekend's. Um, and people are like coming up with all these theories about how this guy is cheating on her. And uh, it's just, it, it's wild. And, and like, right. uh, you, know, you know, let me just say one thing here. Yeah. And this might be getting whatever. Maybe he ain't excited. And you know what? Who gives a shit? Uh huh. Who gives a shit? I went to college to get away from an on again off again girlfriend Mm -hmm. you know what and that might be too personal but you know what it's the truth Mm -hmm. it's the truth yeah so so you know what maybe he ain't excited maybe he's not excited maybe he was maybe he doesn't react well to people filming him maybe he did not expect or maybe to see her at all and he just had maybe this is maybe this is him excited and surprised who gives a shit yeah these are children. Right. These are children. Well, the problem is that millions and millions of people give a shit. Um, like, like, like fucking, like fucking what? Fucking why? I could not, I could not fathom possibly giving a shit. Mm-hmm. 
I there are there are not enough hours in the day for me to give a shit. Yeah. To to analyze the fucking the the pixels on this stupid ass TikTok like it's the fucking Zapruder film. Yeah. And it's like I mean I've heard people bring up a good point which is that like on on social media there are no boundaries when it comes to like what people will say to strangers um about strangers you know it's like no nobody deserves to have thousands hundreds of thousands of people in your in your comments talking about your relationship with your significant other that they don't know anything about this is the most innocuous this isn't even like any like she's she she's like bragging about how you know how their relationship is this golden perfect thing or something where where people feel like some sort of you know righteousness where they have to warn her about oh girl he cheating mm-hmm. you know like th- like this is the most innocuous thing I've ever seen yes it's it's so nothing that's what makes it, it so wild so is that it's it is so nothing it is so nothing that just completely like, blew like, up like the way I described it is what happens in the video mm-hmm. like it's 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 literally it's to a t it's so nothing yeah yeah i just i i i, I, I needed to bring it up I, like i said i didn't want to add any more to the discussion because i think the discussion needs to end but i also needed to like show you this because i was like really trying to figure out what the hell like how this even happens <laughs> or why this even happened I can't even fathom. I do not understand this goddamn app. Yeah. Every every week you bring me shit, <laughs> and I have no fucking idea. Well, I loved I love TikTok. Uh, at least the stuff that I get, because um, like there is a lot of really good stuff on TikTok. You have people speaking openly about like you know mental health. Like a lot of people overshare on TikTok, which I fuck shit. Why is it autoplay? God, sorry. <laughs> Christ hate this goddamn app no i was just saying like there's a lot of stuff that i like about tiktok and like the culture surrounding tiktok like a lot of people are very open about shit that would be that would have been like taboo even like you know a decade ago when we were in high school um i don't know it just it feels very like progressive and like very like open and empathetic but maybe that just is like the algorithm the stuff that i'm seeing you know like obviously there's all sorts like there's tiktok for everything right so but this one this really caught me off guard i i was just kind of blown away by this um so yeah lauren has made some some follow-up videos um basically you know trying to be like uh, yeah i don't really want this 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 type of attention um our relationship who is fun- fuck, who, who the fuck would? I know who would, right? And then uh, Couch Guy himself, whose name is Robbie, he um didn't have a TikTok, but he made one. God. After this, basically just to tell people to like stop. <laughs> you know? Who would who would want that? This is not yeah, this isn't even like the kind of virality that you could even potentially like benefit from no and this i've heard people make the argument that like you put this out there it's public like you're asking for for the attention no like you said this is so innocuous this is such a, like 
nobody could reasonably expect a video like this to just blow up the way it did for the reasons it no. did. Like nobody, it's ridiculous. Like that's, there were. That's what, this is what I was saying to you a few weeks ago about TikTok. Is like there are the most nothing videos like this mm -hmm. that have millions and millions of views, and it doesn't make fucking sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Yes, like another offshoot of of this trend now is people, and this is like the more innocent um, offshoot is like people showing their like reunion videos, you know, and like if that's what this turned into, cool. But and then you have like the other side of it where people are making like parodies where like a woman will walk in and her boyfriend is surrounded by like a dozen women, you know, in a room or something like that, and it's. That's like another. I saw like I saw like four dudes in that in this. Like it just like it looks like a group of people mm -hmm. in an apartment. They, yeah. Like there's this is so nothing. Yeah. Apparently, all the people in that room knew that she was coming. Like they were they were in on the surprise. So the fact that people think there was something sketchy going on in that moment is I, just so I silly. Can't, I can't I can't fathom. I th leave the children alone. Totally. <laughs> like totally. Ultimately, that was the point I wanted to make with this. I did not mean yeah. to add to the to the discourse, but uh, you know, yeah. you know, it was it was the big thing that happened on on the internet the past week. So, oh god. Anyway, we should we should move on. We should move on. Spend too much time on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, other virality and, I guess nicknames that people give to other people. Do you see the bad art friend shit? Um, just like the periphery of it. Like I've seen some people reacting to it. I don't know much about like how it originated or anything. Okay. Well, it originated in a New York Times piece basically called Who is the Bad Art Friend? Um, and it, it it's it's a long it's a long piece, probably too long, but I say that about everything. Uh the gist of it is is that uh a woman was a part of a writing group in Boston. Um, it's sort of, sort of a, a community of writers, um, and I think the author of uh, "Little Fires Everywhere" was also part of it as well. Oh yeah, um, okay. So it, it, it's it's sort of like, you know a well known uh, community of writers in Boston, uh, and you know they put on events and workshops and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so this woman, um, she she donated one of her kidneys anonymously, uh, and she was very proud of this accomplishment. Uh, she made a Facebook group and did posts on it about Facebook, um, and was upset that uh, people didn't necessarily engage with her posts, um, and would sort of talk to other people about uh, her kidney donation, um, and found it odd whenever they didn't address it. Uh, then it turns out that uh, another writer in the community that she considered a friend uh, wrote a story about somebody that donates a kidney. Um, and she she found this strange and off-putting and blah, 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 blah. Uh, then it turns out that in the story, uh, there it, the uh, character writes a letter to the person that they're donating a kidney to that uh, is inspired by the letter that the... W actual woman who donated the kidney wrote mm -hmm. um 
And so uh, then it goes into a legal battle from there where uh, she begins suing the person that wrote the story, uh, blah, 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 blah. And it's like sort of still ongoing from there. Um, so the, 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 the discourse is sort of similar to, I don't know if you remember from a few years ago, the, the, the cat person. Uh, no, not really. Situation. Okay. Well, this was, um, a short story that was printed. It was probably like New Yorker or something like that. Maybe the Atlantic. I, I can't remember. Oh, you know what? I read the first few paragraphs of that. <laughs> I was like, let okay. me see what this is about. And then I'm like, I don't, I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, short story about uh, a college girl who goes on a date with an older man. Um, and how he, he, he was kind of creepy. Uh, and, um, yeah, he, 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 I don't remember if he forced himself on her or whatever. Um, and then at the end, he sort of either calls her a bitch or a whore whenever she, uh, stops contacting him. It's something, something, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it, it, it resonated with a lot of people. It, it got a lot of traction. Um, then, uh, maybe last year, six months ago, something like that, um, there was a, a piece about how, somebody that knew the author of that uh was convinced that that story was written about her because of so many details that matched up to her life uh and a relationship that she had with an older older man but it was not um it was not uh creepy or abusive or whatever blah 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 but she was convinced it was about her and uh so th there's just like now all of a sudden like people are like misunderstanding like what 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 fiction is mm -hmm. for some reason and like what um like like what inspiration is and like what artistic liberty is there's a all of a sudden you know there's a saying that is write what you know yeah where 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 people like feel entitled to reality and then also like unreality if you know what i mean mm -hmm. where like just because somebody used details that you think might be similar because you knew them i don't know like it, it's it's so it's so bonkers to me that um like you feel aggrieved because like you're similar to a character in a book. Yeah, and does that also story. Imp like, does that also imply that people believe that if you're a writer, you are creating stories like in a bubble uh, without any sort of outside influence of like you know from your daily life or the people you know or anything? Because that's that's absurd. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. It can't work that way. It's 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 impossible. Right. It, um. So people are just like not understanding what fiction is and maybe they're they're taking the um like the disclaimers on fucking movies or like in the beginning of books like too literally where it says like 
this is a work of fiction and any resemblance uh, similarities to persons to the living or dead is purely coincidental. Yes. Like that's just the disclaimer. That's legal speak. Like, yeah. Like you take inspiration from everything around you, literally everything. Mm -hmm. Like you take phrases that people have said that have resonated with you that, you know, traits from different characters and you blend like I say characters, but like people, and then you turn them into characters and you blend them all up and you just like, that's, that's the process. That is how it works. Um, the book I'm, the book I'm writing at the moment, um, the, the main character is heavily inspired by, um, dad era Fred Durst. So yeah. Yeah. See, you know, uh, yeah, like the fact that people feel ownership over things that are not theirs is like really it really bothers me um and especially the case with this bad art friend because this is this is a a a, a white woman who is now like seeking damages from um a writer of color because she feels personally aggrieved that she was like not contacted about being like the the inspiration for a character in her story meanwhile the the character in the story she shouldn't want to be associated with because the character in the story is like a white savior that wants gratitude heaped upon her for donating this kidney it's like yeah but maybe maybe in her eyes that's a good thing right like maybe she didn't get the proper takeaway from the story if she if she read it to begin with yeah so it's like you do you want to claim that that like that like it's so she has literally lost the plot yes um it but it's like yeah and in the article it says it's like you're seeking fifteen thousand dollars like minimum you know and the writer of the short story made like four hundred dollars total mm -hmm. from the story like this is it's it's completely asinine um and in in the case of cat person it's like i remember i remember it's like yeah like this this person put my personal life on on display for all to see it's like no no they didn't right because you you said that this no they did story resonated with so many people right so it's yeah it's an experience that a lot of people have come across so you can't claim yeah. ownership over that it's just because like oh okay you met him at the movie theater where you worked um okay so like those are just details that happened like like that were part of your experience that she took inspiration in order to write this mm -hmm. but then you even admit it's like okay well you say that the relationship wasn't abusive or wasn't you know an imbalance in power dynamics because of the age gap you know you just but then it's like okay fine so then this isn't your this wasn't your life mm -hmm. so then why are what is what is the issue then yeah it's i um, think you nailed it it's not it's, it's not a biography it's this is a work of fiction. Yeah, it's clearly not understanding how how writers write things. No, no, not at all. Um, and I don't know if this is like 
a symptom of uh, too many based on a true story, you know, pieces of media or mm -hmm. like I don't know. It, it's it's just a really weird phenomenon where people are not understanding like what fiction is. Um, I, you know, it's interesting because there's been a lot of discussion about the true crime community and how problematic yeah. that can be. And yeah. it's almost like they have the opposite problem where they are taking real people and exploiting real stories and treating them like they're fiction, like there's some piece right. of entertainment, no, yeah, yeah. you know? So it's, it's sort of like yeah. the, the, the inverse of that. No. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, this, this is such a strange phenomenon. And then it's like, you, you're, th there's, there's, it's, writers are now like walking on eggshells for like a lot of different reasons. Um, and now, now that you have people that might have been inspired like by something, you know, seeking damages and she's, suing um her biggest piece of evidence is the fact that um in a draft of the story she basically used the kidney donation letter verbatim mm -hmm. and in a comment in an email to a friend uh the writer said that the letter was too good um but it was a draft. Mm -hmm. It was not published. Never published, yeah. It was a draft. And then she changed all of the words. Well, do you know if there's any, like, possibility that um, the art friend could end up winning this, this lawsuit? Like, has there been any discussion believe, about that? I believe the Times piece talks about... Um, one piece of precedent from last year really it doesn't go into it doesn't go into detail about it but it does mention that there is some kind of precedent okay um but at the same time um th i believe that even if the writer copied the letter wholesale uh, the work is transformative mm -hmm. and the, I'm, I'm not a fucking lawyer, sure, but I, sure. I, 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 I know a bit about copyright, um, and fair use due to, um, working in publishing. So I, I do believe that even, yeah, even if the writer copied the letter completely and used it in the story, it would be. A transformative use of those words would you need to um, like give credit uh maybe mm -hmm. um but so here's the thing uh she posted it publicly on facebook okay so even though that is her her words it is um i'm not 100 percent on how facebook treats uh their like material that is posted there mm -hmm. like it is it is public um i do not uh know if um facebook because facebook doesn't act as a, a quote-unquote publisher which is a, a major sticking point um because if they did they would be held liable 
um, but I do not know if anything you post on Facebook is uh, necessarily treated as uh, copywritten. Uh, sorry, I'm copyrighted. Right. Uh, um, but at the same time, I believe using the words wholesale will be transformative. Um, but the writer didn't. Uh, even if that were the case, um, this is not even necessarily an issue of uh, copyright because the letter uh, was not um, had no uh, mo like monetary value. It has no market value. Mm -hmm. So using it in a short story is not uh, damaging its market value. So that is a major uh, consideration of fair use and copyright. Um, and that's part of the, uh, like meaning of transformative. So if you transform a piece of work, uh, like for the purposes of criticism or whatever, um, the only, the only thing is that you cannot, uh, damage its market value, which means that you basically cannot create something that replaces, uh, replaces it in, uh, the market. Mm -hmm. Um, so what that what that sort of means is that say there's a story um and then you just decide to uh like read the entire thing and put it on YouTube um that could be considered replaced like r read the whole thing on YouTube without offering any um commentary or criticism or whatever just a street read, th read through of a short story that could be considered damaging its market value because instead of almost like piracy buying, right yeah because instead of buying the short story somebody could just go onto youtube and get the story that way yeah so that is something that's like damaging the market value but since this is something that does not have market value placing it into a short story is a transformative act that cannot possibly damage its market value and like the art friend is not even trying to claim that this story is like damaging her reputation right because it does no she's she's mostly seeking um like get her legal you know funds recouped and like emotional right damages, okay basically. um that's that's mostly it and she wants she wants she wants it out of the story pretty much mm-hmm um, even though, even though in its current state, it has been changed. Um, so, so now it's literally just the inspiration. It's not even like wholesale in the story. That was a draft. Yeah. That was a, a, an early draft of the story. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Very interesting though. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this, this lawsuit turns out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe they, uh, the, the, the 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 woman suing has been through several lawyers mm. um but she's like so stubborn and also quite creepy i would say because she's like continuing to watch the writer uh like as the writer does um like online like zoom conferences and stuff like this person will sign up for them oh and like just be in the audience like it's just doing weird shit yeah that is weird like like almost verging on stalking mm -hmm. um she just like won't let it go it's very it's very weird um so yeah
uh, I just wanted to bring that up because it's I've been thinking about it quite a bit. Yeah, I might have to I might have to uh, change course on my book because I don't want Fred Durst coming after me. <laughs> Does I call him Dread first? Yeah, <laughs> that would throw people off. <laughs> All right, so we teased it. Should we get into it? I've been waiting all day to talk about <laughs> the return of Sexy Beasts. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I want to sort of cover this episode, you know, beat by beat. Um. Mm -hmm. I want to get like granular because yeah, I, yeah. I do think this show is worthy of that. I think it. I think it deserves a deep dive. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, I do want to get like your overall impressions on the episode. Because um, when we watched the first two, well, I watched the first two of season one. Yeah. You listened to me talk about one of them. Um, yes. But, you know, there were a lot of problems with the show, season one. And yeah. uh, so, you know, part of the point of, of coming back here is to see if there was any any progress made, you know, any any steps taken to improve the show in season two. Uh, so what what did you think? What did you think overall? Just like your broad takeaway from from this uh, season two premiere. Um, so this was sort of the complete opposite of the Badger episode. Yes, I would say. Um, because our our leading our leading man, uh, Mister Dragon, was uh, just just kind of fine and normal. Mm -hmm. Um, respectful dare I dare I say pleasant yeah um <laughs> uh and I I guess the show was just a lot more watchable as a result totally and um the narrator sort of kept they kept them in check there wasn't as much you know cringy sort of commentary mm -hmm. I guess maybe because there just wasn't material to sort of make really lame jokes at mm -hmm. there were a couple um, but yeah for the most part for the most there were part a couple, it was better yeah um like the episode flowed better like it had better pacing yes. to it than than either of the uh previous ones we saw yes i think part of that is because it felt like they gave less hosting duties to <laughs> the the, the, the contestants um, the contestants yeah yeah they weren't pulling double duty either yeah not that there is a host now but it's just like they made them like do less they just sort of yeah it kind of it felt cut, like there was a to. an established um you know an established structure yes. to the show which which felt like it didn't feel like they were just kind of winging it yes which was and nice. then the other thing is that during the second elimination they didn't have them both sitting there this time. It was a it was a personal reveal. Yes. So that that's better. They cut out the some flow. some real awkward moments that could have happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because there was less focus on like, whoa, what do they look like underneath? Because it's like, we're gonna get there. Who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. um, Spoiler alert: they're they're all hot. So of we course, know that. Of course. Yes. So yeah, like I did, I did want to get into this sort of like uh, beat by beat. I mean, it might not be as entertaining because, like you say, it's a better episode of TV, so there's less to make fun of. But uh, 
Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll go through it. Um, so we have, you know, Mick the dragon. He's introduced mm-hmm. first. Uh, he hasn't dated in a few years and he's looking for uh, someone who is empathetic, who's a good communicator and has uh, common interests. I mean, that, that's all pretty reasonable stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. as far as his common interests go, um, you know, he's asked what he likes to do. And, and he says, uh, dancing to music, playing music and singing yes. <laughs> are his three, his big three. Yeah. Um, now, was it, yeah. Was it at that point that he pulls out the ukulele? He does, and this was quite a moment for me um, because I, I had to I had to pause and rewind three times in total because. Um, oh God. So he pulls out the ukulele and he sings a line, and the line is, "Oh, what a life! Might meet my wife." Yes, but which... but the, I swear to you, the first time I heard it. It was, and this might be because of like the mask that they're wearing, like the prosthetics. It might have like made it a little bit hard to understand. I got from that, oh, what a life might beat my wife. And oh, it's a very, God, very never. different vibe. Um, yeah, I, ca- I caught it on the first. Okay, go that's good. So maybe that's just I also, me then. I, I also did not have time to go and rewind it three times just because I had to finish it before we recorded. Yeah, see, like um, I, this is a twenty-four minute episode. It probably took me like well over a half hour because I have like three pages of notes. So <laughs> three pages. Yeah. The fuck. Well, I just wanted to make sure that we covered everything, you know. Okay. Um. So anyway, he's he wants to meet his wife. Luckily, not the other thing. Um. So we're introduced to our first potential uh, beast here, mm-hmm. which is Edith the Armadillo. Um, Edith has yeah. never met someone who has given her butterflies. <laughs> she's, she's, she's uh, you know, it's an interesting opportunity for her. She's never met someone who has given her butterfly. So this could be a potential, potential mm-hmm. uh, breakthrough for her. Um, next, we have uh, Hammerhead Shark Abby. Um, I, I dare I ask, how did you feel about this this get up here? Um, the mouth was off putting. Mm-hmm. And she kept poking herself it, in the in the shark eye too. Yeah, the mouth was very Joker esque. Yeah. The, yeah. Um. Who was it that actually had trouble locating their mouth? Oh, I think that was that was later on, yeah. When they were trying to 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 take a sip from their from their drink. Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah. Uh no, I I I didn't have any, any kind of racial concerns with the shark. Okay. If that's what you're asking. I mean, I don't know what I'm asking at this point. Okay. Um, so anyway, Abby says that the people, the the men that she dates, they tend to have the personality of a wet sock. Um, sure. So yeah, she's she's really looking for improvement there. Uh, then she she says, I thought this was funny. She says, "I've come here today to find the love of my life?" Question mark. Like she very much did not sell that line. <laughs> No, um, which was which is very I think good. She was just having fun, you know. Yeah, it's probably something they told her to say, and she's like, "Yeah, I I want the love of my life, sure." Um, yeah. And then we have finally we have uh, to round out the trio here. We have Angela, Catherine, 
two first names, the Meerkat, mm-hmm. which I thought the Meerkat was a really cool uh, costume. Yeah. Probably the coolest one I've seen on, on the show so far. Um, so, so, you know, they go to their, uh, the usual, uh, bar for the first date. Mm-hmm. Um, Mick asks, is, uh, <laughs> is this your first time in a situation like this? Yeah. <laughs> Which was funny because they're both dressed up as animals on a TV show. And he asked if this is the first time that they've, that they've done that. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, I'm, I'm realizing that the, like you said earlier, the narration, the voiceover is better. Um, there, one line that I appreciated was, uh, how will our girls fare inside the dragon's lair? Which is, which is pretty good. Pretty clever. I missed that one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, so, uh, Abby the shark is, is on the first date with Mick. Uh, she says, I'm so friendly. I can vibe with a brick wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they cut to Mick. <laughs> like yeah. and he's doing like one of his uh after after the you know one of his interviews after he's like she's so easy to talk to <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah um unfortunately uh things aren't as easy with uh the armadillo um it's it's very clear that they're not vibing very well uh right off the bat um See, yes like it seemed like they were okay before and then they show the clip where like they kind of stalled out mm, yeah it didn't have it didn't have the momentum didn't carry throughout the whole yeah. the whole date at one point um she's like do you have any questions for me mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like or you know we could just sit and, and stare into each, each other's eyes that like, we could do that too and they took that route um yeah uh, and then Mick asks at one point, um, <laughs> it's probably my favorite line from the episode. He asks, what dip do you usually like to have with your nuggets? <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me tell you, they they are not eating nuggets. Um, they are just having a drink. There's no food at this table. Uh, and he's at... Maybe they're like starving them because <laughs> it probably takes a while to get the shit on, you know? Yeah. I imagine, yeah, they're sitting in that chair for a long time. Mm -hmm. But I just like to Uh, think that he's struggling to come up with a topic to like talk about on this date. So he's like, yeah, when you when you eat nuggets, what what kind of dip do you go for? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So anyway, those are our first dates. Then they go back to uh, Sexy Beast Manor, a.k.a. the repurposed uh, Hill House. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. The the couch only fits. It's a pretty it's a pretty big den that they're in. Right. But the couch yes. they got only fits two people. But which there's, is, uh, which is a problem because there's three contestants. So one of them has yes. to awkwardly sit on the armrest for the entire segment. Didn't they have a couch that sat two and then a chair before? Yeah, I think they did have a chair. Um, I, I guess maybe there were budget cuts for season two. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Netflix was like, you can you can continue on. Because you have you get millions of viewers, but we're going to give you less money. Yeah, they spent it all on rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, we will get to the rock climbing. Yeah. Um, I'm t- I'm taking my time <laughs> with yeah. this. Uh, so we learned that Edith, Edith the armadillo, surprise, surprise, she's the the first one to go. Uh, clearly did not um, have a connection with uh, with Mick Jagger here. Yeah, even though she was um, she was confident, quite upset. Yeah, she 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 was into him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, th but this was like not like anything where like you know he he was he was sort of happy with all three of them for the most part. Yeah, um, had nothing bad to say. No, no, not at all. Um, and he just kind of kept apologizing. You know, it was like it was parting on good terms. It was just you know. Yeah, it was just it was just kind of like it was just pleasant. It was like nothing, you know. Yeah, yeah, it was very nothing, respectable. Nothing, yeah. Um, so Edith does come back out, and she has a question for for Mick, and she asks him why, meaning like why did he eliminate mm -hmm. her, and he and he just he's he honestly said he says the conversation stalled out for us a bit when it it didn't with the other two women. Yeah. And she was like, oh, okay, I understand that. I'm glad I asked uh, just to, you know, to take that for, for future reference. Yeah, it was it was no it was no quippy like, oh, bet you would have picked me or, you know, any of that shit. Yeah, that like the usual stuff is like, oh, wait till wait till they see me uh, after I take the prosthetics mm -hmm. off and see how hot I am. And they're really going to regret this. It's like and he's like, yeah, she's yeah. very attractive. Um, yeah, this episode, honest, it like felt like people earnestly trying to make a connection mm -hmm. which which is a very different vibe than before yeah <laughs> completely yeah <laughs> completely because the last time we had the beaver who is uh, uh an ass man first <laughs> yes everything yeah. else second um so so we're going into round two here. These are the individual dates. I'll try to I'll try to speed this up a little bit. I know we're like almost two hours into the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we're going into round two here. Um, Abby is is very confident. Abby is the hammerhead shark. Uh, mm -hmm. She's very confident. Um, she thinks she can win him over. Yeah. Uh, so for their date, they're going flower arranging. Uh, they're taking a master class from Judith. They keep they keep pulling in <laughs> unwitting older women. Yeah. To sort of like I don't know, chaperone these dates. And then also like do a sequence where they're pretending that Judith is like a contestant. Yeah, it's, you know? it's so strange. Like it is, just leave them out weird. of it. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I thought this would just be, like, you know, them making flowers for each other, and, and that would be nice, and that would be the date, but it turns out that this is also a competition. <laughs> I mean, it kind of wasn't. No. It was more playful than, what was it, the ice sculpting or whatever the fuck? Yeah, that got that got pretty, pretty heated. Yeah. By comparison, at least, yeah. Yeah, no, this was kind of cute, because, like, mm -hmm. they, were, they were playful with it. It, yeah. it felt more like an actual date. Yeah. I've never I've never heard of anyone doing this ever in my life. No, no, but it's believable in this in this context. Yeah. And and they're both like based on what they have to say afterwards, they both felt very good about it. Uh Abby is is waiting yes. for a marriage proposal, she says. And uh Mick says the date was quote perfect and that it set a high bar going forward. Yeah. Um, at this so, point, I was I, at this point, I was like, okay, yeah, it, it's going to be her. She's won. Yeah, she's yeah. won at this point. I thought it was in um, the bag. It's over. Yep. You know, um, but we do still have uh, Catherine 
And uh, so they're going to go uh, bouldering slash rock climbing indoors. Um, <laughs> their their uh, instructor is named Warren, and he he leads by saying that uh, there are no harnesses or ropes to protect us. We just have just the floor, the floor, just the floor yeah. instead. Uh, very reassuring there. So, um, mm-hmm. was this really rock climbing slash bouldering? <laughs> because I thought that that was more involved. Like, this was just a rock wall. I remember those kind of rock walls being at, like, kids' things. In, like, elementary school gyms. Yeah, and, like, roller skating rinks. Although the like one in I, the late 90s. I, I think the one that I scaled in elementary school was a bit higher than this one. Yeah. So... I don't know. Maybe it was a safety thing, but like whenever people talk about like they're going indoor rock climbing, like I, I always feel like it's a bit more, I don't know, involved mm-hmm. than than this. Yeah, I mean, this might just go back to the budget thing. They might not have been able yeah. to uh, to afford any more than this. Yeah, you know, that Netflix or, money, it's very tight. Or maybe it was the safety thing. I don't know. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was this was a weird one. Well, I, I'm glad it, it turned out this way because we learned very quickly that Angela is deathly afraid of heights. Of course. Because yeah. um, I don't think they really give a shit. <laughs> um, she does fall. Uh, she falls uh, from about half a foot off mm-hmm. the ground. Uh, there's a dramatic slow motion shot of her falling. Um, yeah. This half foot. She, and she then we does cut to- fall onto her feet. Yes. And then sort of takes a tumble backwards onto the yeah, mat right um and then the thing i loved about this was that we we cut to mick and he says uh <laughs> it impressed me that she got back up again <laughs> and he says it so earnestly too yeah if she didn't um i would be concerned that she has like glass bones mm-hmm. or that she's 90 years old mm-hmm. so because th- didn't she say that she was like it wasn't she the the lifeguard uh yeah i think so okay. that, take, that yeah. takes if a she, lot of she, uh if she didn't get up from that <laughs> there would be some major concerns yeah definitely um so so then angela brings up mermaids uh and and this i haven't mentioned this yet but this is like the third time that she's brought up mermaids in this episode, I, I caught two, but yeah, uh, she's talking about the documentaries that she's watched about them. They're sure, having a conversation sure. about whether they're real or not. Um, the Aquafarians, <laughs> but you might know them as mermaids. Yeah. So, so Mick says uh, he says I don't know if mermaids are real. I'm not a historian or scientist, so so who am I to say otherwise? Sure, sure. I got some TikToks for him. Yes, yes. Because nothing is a coincidence. The fact that I'm watching Sexy Beasts right now tells me that I'm energetically aligned. There you go. <laughs> it all comes back around. <sighs> so, you know, this this seems like a, another positive date. Angela comes out of it saying that she feels like there's no competition. And she even goes as far to say as uh, it could be love. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost believe her. I think, yeah, she's way into it. She's yeah. super into it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, which is she, concerning. She, she took that fall and then she's like, oh, yeah, he came to my rescue and all this shit. And I'm like, yeah, it's like so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which for me at this moment, I'm like concerned because she's so into it. But we already know. <laughs> yeah. We already know that Abby is is set to win this. I mean, they went on a, quote, perfect date. So. Yeah. And also, Abby has the British factor going on. She does. And American dudes love that accent. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the Cockney shit. Can confirm. Yeah. Yes. So. Yeah, so, I, th- I thought it was a shoe in. I know. I know. Me too. Um, especially because, like, in the first season, it was very clear who was winning. Yes. Yes. Like by about the halfway mark of the episode. Usually, because the first season was makeout factor. Yeah. Wh- whoever made out. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the the tip off. Yeah. Um, so we are heading back to the manor. Um, there. You know, Mick is now discussing uh, the time that he had with both of them. Uh, he turns to Angela, Catherine first, and he says, uh, he's talking about the rock climbing, but he says, we got to be physical and adventurous. Yes. Which I was like, <laughs> that's sending the wrong message. It's very much sending the wrong message. Um, if I was Abby, I would be confused at that, at that yeah. comment. Uh, but we have a legit shocker here uh, because he does choose Angela, Catherine. Mm-hmm. The edit, the edit swerved us. They, they, they fooled us. They tricked us into thinking yep. that Abby was the winner. But in, in, in reality, it's Angela Catherine. And I'm happy to see it because they look super, super into each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of can't take their hands off each other at the end there. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he does say as, as Abby, you know, her reveal is, is made before this. She's, he says, uh, thankfully, Abby's real head looks nothing like a hammer. Um. Oh, right. And uh, they have, a, I think, technically a new room here at the end. Uh, this is the Manor's Great Hall of Romance. Of course. Of course. Um, we do have one more voiceover quote from the narrator. He says, I guess if you hang out with the dragon, you wind up hot. Um, I don't know what that means, but. Like he's breathing fire and also they're both hot. So. Sure. You know. It's what we're working yeah. with here. Um, and uh, yeah, you get the final moments of, of Mick and Angela, Catherine, and uh, very happy ending here. Yeah. I, at the end, she does say, are you going to carry me out of here? And he doesn't say anything. And I think it's because he physically can't. <laughs> yeah. Because he was a very skinny dude. Yeah. It's like, um, I don't want to make any promises. I can't yeah. keep. Um, and... Whenever they revealed him, I was like, oh, yep, he's a musician. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Either that or, like, a surfer. Yes, I didn't really get surfer vibes. No? No. Maybe I just uh, associate, like, the long, British, the long hair. British chick did, because that's what she said, too. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I was like, yep, with that hair, nope, you're a musician. Yep. Um. Yeah, so that, that was the episode. Um... You know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I, I thought it was a, a nice improvement over what we saw in season one. Um, it was it was watchable. I didn't want to I didn't want to die. You yeah. know, well, it, to be fair, it was a very low bar they set. So the fact that it was watchable is like amazing. Yeah, of course. Um, I'm curious. Did you watch the uh, the preview? Yes, I stayed for the preview. I saw like one of the contestants has like a head of like six snakes or something. Okay. Which looked pretty cool. 
Yeah, nothing that really stood out to me the same way that that the beaver guy stood out. Right, um, right. I mean, I'd be happy to cover episode two, but I, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna do that to you. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think if if it maintains like this, I don't think there's much to say. No, there know? isn't much to say. It's it's um, it's fine. And if you're into this type of thing, then it's it's actually pretty enjoyable. Right. Yeah. I I think doing shit like the beaver is just a a disservice. Like if you find people that are actually like trying um it's watchable, you know? Mm-hmm. And like yep. they're not just trying to like quip and shit. The narrator included. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it doesn't make you want to curl up and die. So yeah, if like it actually sort of fits with what the show is going for was like finding a connection outside of looks, right? Yeah. And, and they actually don't just keep hammering what do they look like underneath? What do they mm-hmm. look like underneath? Oh my god, what's going to happen? Yep. Um which was the problem with the first at least first couple episodes of the season. Because yeah, like for me that is never that was never the draw here. Cuz no. they're all they're all hot. They're all, they're hot. all hot. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was uh, sexy beast season two. On Netflix now. There's just this um interesting little uh piece about a uh, a movie release plan that that caught my attention. Okay. Yeah. Um. Let me just pull that up real quick. Mm-hmm. See, what I should have done was figured out the correct pronunciation of this filmmaker's mm. name. Um, because I've only ever read it. You know, it's one of those things where I've only ever read the person's name. I've never heard it. Of course. Um, and I don't want to, like, mispronounce. But, um, yeah, there is this, this filmmaker. Um, he's best known for... Uh, this movie that I watched on Criterion Channel last year that really blew me away. Um, it's called Uncle Boom Me, who can recall his past lives. Um, mm. It's from it's from 2010. It's it's uh, this director is is Thai, and uh, it's it's an art film about. It, it almost it almost defies uh, explanation. It's one of those things where you, I'm not even going to attempt to do it. Um, but this guy, uh, Uncle Boon Me, he's preparing himself to die. He has a, a kidney disease, and he has his his relatives staying with him, like in the countryside. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for his to live out his final days. Um, but as that's going on, some of his um, some ghosts appear to him. Uh, one of them is like his wife and like other people that have passed on that he he knew in, during his life. And it's just, it turns into just like this fascinating exploration that like manages to, it's like a story that's told like completely outside of like time. Mm. Um, 
it's 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 incredible. It's just it's hard to to talk about on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's a brilliant film. Um, I've been looking forward to what this director is doing, and it turns out his next movie is starring um, Tilda Swinton. It's called Memoria, and it just won okay. the ju- yeah. It just it just won the jury prize at Cannes. And I've heard like yeah, this new Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that that's his next movie, and the release rollout that they're taking is unlike anything I've seen. So what they're doing is um, they're going to move from city to city. This is a quote from, from neon who's distributing it. Um, Mm -hmm. They're moving from city, city to city, theater to theater week by week playing only in one theater at any given time. And the idea is to frame the movie as like a never ending moving exhibit that's only ever going to play in theaters and will not become available on demand or streaming or DVD or anything like that. Okay. So the launch of the movie is, is, is kicking off at the IFC center in New York city. Um, very, uh, prominent theater. Yeah. And it's going to play a one week, uh, exclusive run there. And then from there, it's going to travel to another city and make its rounds throughout the US. Um, so like each, it says each engagement will be available for a predetermined amount of time. And I don't know, I just think it's very interesting. Um, and it's like, I, I almost don't know how to like compare it, but if there's something about his style of filmmaking and the way he plays with like time and like experiences and just like the way his movies are structured and just the idea of like one of his films being rolled out where like you're sitting in the theater watching it and you know that you are the only person in the world at that moment in time experiencing this piece of art. And I think it just yeah. like adds something very interesting to the whole the whole experience of watching it, you know? It's like an installation. Mm-hmm. Rather than like a traditional yeah, they, they they do uh compare it to an art exhibit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that very much fits. Um huh. Yeah, so this is the first time that this director has shot uh and worked outside of uh Thailand. Mm. Um Yeah, I'm I don't know if I'll be able to see this. But I really right, that's I, the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. I really want to. So like if it plays like anywhere within a reasonable driving distance, I will absolutely go see it. Yeah. Um because like as it stands right now, I have no desire to go back to a movie theater. Right. Just like in general. Yeah. Um but I would do it in this in this instance. If I had the chance. Yeah, because like there's there's no other there's option. no other way, yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought this was an interesting, interesting story. Um, I'll be paying attention to like the schedule of it and and see if it lands anywhere nearby. Right. But yeah, I just, I love that idea of like knowing that you're the only person, like you're one of the, you and the other people sitting around you are the only people watching this film, experiencing this piece of art mm-hmm. on that day at that time. It's pretty cool. Very cool. I mean, there also, I guess, is the case that, like, we are still in a global pandemic and there are mm-hmm. 
there are like health and safety reasons why people wouldn't want to go to the theater right now and things like that. But um, yeah, just like as a as a concept, as an idea, I just think it's very very fascinating. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Something tells me eventually. Eventually, it'll come out. Eventually, like a Criterion, you know. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. Because like, they, there's no real. I mean, you know, you can have this run, and you can have like you- just just for preservation's sake. Yes. You know. Um, because his films are already difficult enough to watch in the U.S. Um, because Uncle Boon Me is is I watched that as it was leaving Criterion, and I don't even know if it's streaming anywhere else right now. Mm-hmm. So you know, there is definitely like the uh, accessibility side here. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that maybe down the road, eventually, it will it will come to something. Yeah. A nice Criterion edition sounds appropriate. Right, right. But we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us because we are over the two-hour mark. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a while. We've been keeping them a little shorter uh, lately. But, yeah, we I think we actually got through everything, so look at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me everywhere at Denner Road, Facebook.com slash Road TV, Twitch.tv slash Road TV, and do a YouTube search for Denner Road TV. If you want to email us anything, like some uh, corrections for Dead Wrong, or anything at all, a video at DennerRoad.co. In fact, I just got another little email from Javier Ta, and uh, he has sent me another Schmoogle link. Hmm schmoogle.us slash stellaris machine empire ships uh and then the comment here says 888 poker rum.ru so uh oh, i forgot to mention know. that in the initial email that clears up a lot though it really does uh yeah so we got a lot of biomutant uh poker rum going on uh i probably just activated like a splinter cell or something you know <laughs> um uh, uh, also check out the Fred's First Adventure book and plush bundles over at publishing.denandroad.co. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>